When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Winning Plays podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome back to another edition of the Winning Plays podcast. My name is Brian Robb, and I am joined by Michael Pino, who is now also doubling as the co-host of the Open Floor Sports Illustrated podcast. Mike, this is fantastic news. We get to hear you even more every week now. Um, what's uh, Where can the listeners find you there? Uh, yeah, our first episode, uh, I was blessed to talk about the Celtics for a half hour to kick it off. So uh, doubling up there, everyone who listens here should subscribe. It's the Open Floor. If you don't already, the Open Floor podcast. Just, I guess, search Open Floor uh, podcast and wherever you listen to podcasts and you should be able to find it. Um, how you doing, B-Rob? I'm good. I'm excited to... Uh talk some shop of you here after a very late Wednesday night for those on the East Coast and the Celtics and the Clippers. I mean, there's there's been few regular season game mics that have will actually reach expectations in terms of, uh, you know, excitement level and actually quality of play. And the second half and overtime of this one uh, definitely did that as the Clippers uh, stole one from the Celtics with a 107-104 victory. Uh, a lot of things going on in this game, Mike, from a huge performance from Tatum to some questionable officiating to just, uh, you know, Patrick Beverly just doing everything to squeak this win out for the Clips. What kind of stuck out to you here uh, from afar watching what could be, I mean, or, I don't know, what do, you, what do you take away from this one? Well, I guess I'll answer your question with a real quick question. Do you think that was the best game of the entire season so far? I'm talking NBA. In terms of best one I've seen, definitely. Um, I mean, I can't speak for... I mean, maybe the Rockets-Wizards one that might have topped this. Uh, Ew. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, Uh, like, in terms of uh, competition level... I mean, Celtics-Raptors, I feel like, was a really good game, too. mm -hmm. Um, Sneaky early in the year, but... As far as the star power and just the the drama down the stretch, um, I think this has to be up there. Yeah, I mean it was the the first half was pretty sloppy down the stretch. There were some stoppages that were a bummer, and uh, I think you know the Celtics. I think they started one for eighteen or one for sixteen from the three point line. Jalen Brown did not have a good game. Kemba Walker had a really sloppy, uncharacteristically sloppy game. Uh, but all in all, I thought that 
you know, the way that the Celtics bounce back on the second half, um, particularly Jason Tatum, who was hanging his head in the first half after a missed, he was missing, missing some, some floaters, missing some, uh, uh, some layups, which is per usual, missed a couple corner threes. And then in the second half, he was lights out and, I don't know if it's his signature moment as an NBA player. Well, it definitely isn't because he dunked on LeBron James in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. But when he dropped Paul George with 13 seconds left to hit the three, I I just think that, like... I mean, that play was more impressive Those are the me. type of moments where you just kind of... Your jaw drops and you're like, this guy's ceiling is, is, is so, so high. Yeah, I mean, that, that play... That was more, like, given the... You know, the Celtics had to have that shot, and you have one of the best defenders in the league on you, and you do that. And so to me, that, like, that takes the throne from the LeBron play. Like, I mean, yeah, it's a, that's a better highlight, but in terms of, like, game situation and stuff, what he did in that sequence. And, and on top of it all, Mike, that was his first shot of the fourth quarter was was that three. And, um, you know, he sat out the first six minutes, obviously, after playing the entire third. Um, but that was something, you know, for him to knock that down and obviously he got more involved in overtime, but that essentially could have been, you know, that was one of the, the fatal flaws for this team down the stretch. But the fact that that was just his first shot of the fourth quarter period, I think is, you know, something that when they go back at the film in this game and look back at what, how, how they blew that, you know, 10 point lead late, um, you might want to start there. But yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. And I, I think that for the Celtics to be in that game with, you know, it was the first time Kawhi and Paul George have ever played together, and they were probably more worried about themselves than they were the Celtics. But for Tatum to, uh, you know, finish with a game-high 30 points, uh, did not have the plus-minus that we're typically, we typically see from him, but that's okay. Um, I, I just... I, I, the fact that the Celtics were competitive in that game down down the stretch, I thought that they you know did their best executing a defensive game plan, uh, trying to squeeze the ball out of PG and Kawhi's hands on high pick and rolls, and uh, which led to the shot that you were referring to, I, I believe. So so yeah, it was a good classic basketball game. Uh, overtime was wonderful, and it had it had its moments. I didn't think it had enough reviews. I was really I was hoping for Needed like more reviews a Baker's dozen. Um, Agree. There were, I mean, like you said, the shooting, the fact that Gordon Hayward obviously was not in this game for the Celtics, and they were able to hang in despite that. Um, Kemba Walker in this game, obviously, the toughest game for him since the opener. Is this not a worrisome sign in terms of what he's going to see more of? I feel he like he was huge teams swallowed. In the the, yeah, he was swallowed in the paint. Right, like that. You know, you it's just going to be worse going up against the likes of the Sixers and the Bucks in the East playoffs. Um, but do you attribute it more to, you know, ill-advised forays or him not just getting any kind of whistle at all from the refs? Where where do you kind of see you how his performance was? I mean, his decision making was not good in this game with the six turnovers too. His decision-making was not good, um, which, I mean, he was 
defended by larger guys. Mo, they put Mo Harkless on him in the second half. Uh, obviously, Pat Beverly is one of the better defenders in the league, regardless of what Russell Westbrook will say. He forced a couple. But, I mean, at some point, you got to pull up. Like, he, he, was, he was dribbling too deep into the defense, I thought. Uh, a couple of the layups, you know, he tested Zubac early in the game on high pick and roll. Uh, the Celtics tried to set those screens closer to midcourt to give him a runway, and he just couldn't couldn't capitalize. I don't really know why usually he does. You would have liked to also see more situations where, uh, you know, he was able to pull up for three, which has been kind of his trademark so far this season. Uh, so... I think it is a little bit of a concern. Uh, you know, he would like to see him when he does get into the paint to either, you know, throw his body into the shot blocker, create some space that way so they can't affect the shot at the rim and pin it against the glass. Uh, but all things considered, I, th- I think, you know, players have bad games. Uh, and it's unfortunate that Kemba's was as bad as it was because they would have prevailed if... He made a couple more shots or, or did not turn the ball over when as, as often as he did. But those things happen, I suppose. Um, yeah, like that's that's kind of the nature of like a game against an elite opponent, I feel like. I mean, the, the encouraging thing, again, like you look at his night, Jalen had a brutal shooting night. And I mean, Tatum was not ice cold in the first half, but pretty close to it's Marcus Smart uh who I've been thinking his graces uh for the first few games of this season that was a flashback to the the guy I was not as fond of two years ago I feel like um in terms of shot selection one of 11 for one three for 11. <laughs> like and the the problem is I mean you could kind of see this happening in real time. I have no issue with him taking transition pull-up threes and stuff, but there were a number th- of shots late in that game where, A, he was taking a three while facing a, a hard closeout with time left on the shot clock, or, B, he was just, you know, someone was going for a steal on him, and then he was, again, firing away when he had a lane to the basket or something like that. So it's just, you know, he's you like him taking all these threes, Mike, but... You, you still, like, I was, he tried to do a little bit too much in this game. And the fact, you know, he leads the team in shots in the fourth quarter and Tatum takes one, like, that's, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, you, you have to reel that in a little bit if you're Brad Stevens, hopefully. I wonder if Kemba's struggles led to how Marcus approached the game down the stretch. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Possibly, but, you know, for Smart to go 7 for 21 for 11 from deep and not attempt a free throw, not great. Not a not a super <laughs> shooting performance, and I don't think that the Celtics want Marcus Smart taking 20 shots ever in any game. I know that Jalen was hounded by some of the best perimeter defenders in NBA history. and He just seemed off, like, period. Yeah. I mean, at least offensively. Yeah, he, he kind of lost his confidence, I think, early on and then couldn't get it back the way Tatum did in the second half. Um, but yeah, 20 shots for Marcus Smart just when every, just about everybody on the team is healthy is just that's not a recipe for success. No. So that's again, you 
you live with that based on if that happens once in a blue moon, like if this happens only a couple other times this year, like that's fine. But again, this is from a learning lesson at this, I'm sure Brad Stevens will be harping on just the, the shot quality down the stretch as they, you know, they had a 10 point lead of six minutes left. They had a seven point lead with, I think just under three minutes. And then, you know, bad shots turned into turn turned into transition points, I should say. And that led to, quick Clippers turnarounds. Um, other, watching this game, Mike, it's hard to think. I think the Celtics, I mean, not to get too far ahead here, but in terms of, like, East teams that match up well against the Clippers, like, the Celtics might be the top of the list. Um, just in terms of, and obviously Gordon Hayward didn't play in this game either, but they, they have the the perimeter defenders to throw at Kawhi and George and they've pulled off their scheme pretty well for most of the game until, you know, Beverly and started making them pay late with the the corner threes. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, in a hypothetical NBA finals, how the defensive coverages would shift. And it's really, you know, obviously that we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but uh, you know, being a little bit more traditional in how you guard PG and guard Kawhi so that maybe you don't let Beverly get wide open corner threes and instead try to force Kawhi and force PG into contested long twos, which, you know, they're capable of making because they're great players, but those are lower percentage shots on par than, you know, a wide open corner three. Um, so, And having Hayward, I think, helps a lot with that. Yeah, like, for in sure. This hypothetical matchup, for sure. Um, I, I, you know, when you look at the Clippers roster, they're it's they're kind of similarly built to the Celtics. They have a lot of wings, um, and they're a little bit thin in the front court, uh, particularly at the center position. And uh, like, it'll be really interesting if you know one of the bigger teams out of the East faces the Clippers in the finals, how that'll all work. And obviously, again, we're so early in the year, it's not even Thanksgiving, and who knows what all these teams no, but look it's, like. We, we're prefacing that, but it is, I mean, it is, this is, this is what this we is do. In, in, this is what we do, and this is important information gathering for this front office right now. Like, they, they were looking at last night with a very critical, I feel like, in terms of judging, okay, what can this team be? What can they, who can they play with? And what does this team need to get to this type of a level? If again, when you're looking at the trade season, which is going to start next month, Tristan Thompson would have put them over the top. (laughs) I got to say, um, yeah. Do do you, do you feel like, I mean, this is kind of a bigger question, bigger picture question that we'll get to later, but just based on the, the elite opponents, you've seen the Celtics face right now. What do you think, what type of player would you want the most fight to cover all those? Obviously it's going to depend on the, the opponent. um, But just as a big picture of where this team's at right now and what they can and can't do, what, what what would you like to see for this group? I personally like just how the Celtics roster is currently. I would like to see Rob Williams grow and see what, what he's able to, how good he's able to be by the end of the year. I think Tice, minus uh, him getting uh, buried six feet underground by Kawhi Leonard on that dunk, <laughs> uh, he's been 
you know, it's an Aaron Baines tribute. Sure, he's been Taysom has been really good uh, in the role that they're asking him to play. He's been really smart, and uh, you know, Cantor. You saw some of the reasons why defensively he's he'll make you pull your hair out. But he had some putbacks again, and he drew some fouls on the offensive glass, which is what he does. Uh, so. I don't really know. Like, I, I, I think when you get Gordon back and you, you see what you have with Gordon, Jalen, this version of Jalen, this version of Tatum, uh, and Kemba all together, uh, I don't know. I would like to see what that looks like because I think that that can be a championship nucleus this season. I, you know, when more casual fans or even diehard Celtics fans come up to me and, and ask me questions about the team and, and, and say their own opine on what they think the team needs. Uh, usually it's, you know, they're, they're heartbroken that Aaron Baines left and Aaron Baines exactly just him would be a wonderful fit on this team. Uh, sure. Not even, not even playing how he, he is in Phoenix, which is like all-star level, but you know, just someone who is ferocious, savage, uh, a, 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 a traditional big who, you know, will help on the glass. He boxes out. He's just super strong and can protect the pain a little bit. Um, this team still gets, you know, uh, had this team still gets bludgeoned a little bit on the glass, and that's to be expected given who they play. And in the playoffs, we'll see how that works with. You know whether or not they're able to force opponents to get smaller, but uh, I think rebounding is going to be an issue for the rest of the year. And someone like Baines would surely help that. But you know, acquiring these players is a lot easier said than done. Yeah, and it, I mean, so there's no confusion at home. Baines is not eligible to even be traded back to the Celtics for a year. Um, they would so not trade that, him. So, right, exactly. And Flash the Suns are obviously very happy with him at this point. But it is. It, it it does make me think though. Like again, with how you know piecemealed the center position is, and how again that group held its own. Whether it's Tice, you know, on the glass, he had a career high six assists on Wednesday night. Rob Williams, you know, up and down, but he's showing enough to stay out there. Cantor in spots like. There, it's the center position. It has not been a problem most nights. So I almost look at where the team's at and like what you're going to need in the postseason. I feel like this is going to be a defense first team. They're going to win games against tough opponents with defense most of the time. So I'd almost be looking for just that, like you know, that shooter off the bench, or just someone, or just a versatile. Jamal Crawford. Right. I mean. I don't know about that. Someone who can <laughs> that can stand the floor of his defense, but it will be fascinating to see what. Because I feel like if nothing else, like the games like we saw Wednesday night are should be enough to be like, okay, Danny Ainge, like this team deserves something. Like it's for as well as Brad Wanamaker is playing, like you don't you want a an alternative to him when you know things get really tough in the second or third round of the playoffs, wherever the Celtics get there. So that's as more and more of these games pile up and the sample size gets bigger here, I feel like the obviously no no one in the core is going anywhere, but one of these future first-round picks that this team has, um, not the Memphis pick, but one of the secondary ones, I feel like that's those are ones that should become more available uh, if you find something that can legitimately help this group. Man, I was really wrong about the defense, I got to say. 
right? I should not. Like, have, it's just a Brad I, Stevens yeah. mo. I feel like. Yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was very, very wrong. Um, so that's a mea culpa by me, but, but I think you're right. But this is, and and I, I, I it, it's kind of, uh, it's miraculous how impressive they've been on that end, given the personnel and given the weaknesses up front. But that's just kind of the NBA today, where if you're able to switch as seamlessly as they have been and as disciplined as they have been, uh, you know, uh, with the, the the bodies that they have, uh, they're physical, they get up into you. And, you know, there was this one play in the Kings game where uh, I forget if I've said this on this podcast already, but... Um, you know, I could hear Brad Stevens shouting. I'm sure you saw it, heard it as well, B. Rob. Uh, Brad Stevens was shouting out uh, a hammer play that the Kings were running, and uh, when Corey Joseph flipped the ball to Bielisa in the corner, um, Semi Ojale heard heard Brad Stevens shout out the instruction, hammer, 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 and he dove to the corner and he intercepted the pass. And it's just like if you have really smart players. Um, who are able to identify what's happening on the court in real time and play at that speed. It's just good things usually happen. No question. And I think it's safe to say that a lot of guys on this team are more committed to defense this year compared to last year. And oh, shots fired. I mean, not – I mean, not – we we know that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, not that they – I'd say this is more Tatum than Brown – but like they're becoming smarter defenders, but I feel like their experience over the summer, the environment around the team this year, not having a guy pointing fingers at them every two possessions down the floor. Um, I, I I don't think it's a reach to say that's had a positive effect <laughs> on what this, what the, the, the consistency of this group is on the defensive end and making them look like, you know, they can stand games while shooting 0 for 18 from, three-point range to start the game or whatever it was on Wednesday night. Mike, congrats on the new co-hosting gig. We're very lucky to keeping you around here as well. Go check out the Open Floor podcast with Ben Golver on you can check it out at SI.com or search for it on iTunes or however you get your podcast and I guess we have something to talk about next week too, Mike? Of course. What is that? Uh, Thanksgiving? Yes. <laughs> Is this Kyrie? Yes. Of course. He's not going to play. I already told you that. Okay. Well, then, there'll be... Is that going to give us more or less to talk about? He's he's just not going to play. I know, I know that this... I'm not saying he's faking a shoulder injury to get out of the Celtics matchup, but... <laughs> sounds like you are. <laughs> just he's not going to play. All right. Well, you have boots on the ground in Brooklyn, so you'll... We'll be back with Mike on Tuesday to find out more about this uh, injury, quote-unquote, situation with Kyrie. So uh, thanks, Mike. We'll talk to you next week.